You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On this week's Something to Talk About, we are discussing the book of Acts. We're officially getting into Acts. Uh, We did last week with kind of a basic introduction on on what to expect. A lot of people consider Acts to be Luke part two. Um, But uh, this discussion kind of covers the basis of what we're going to go through in this series. So hope you guys enjoy. Good morning. Or, or, or maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I don't you know. shouldn't have. They'll never know. Good morning. Good morning. I feel bad for all of the uh, folks who are out there listening who missed the incredible NSYNC and Justin Timberlake references. I mean, let's that, be honest, it's probably going to happen at some point again. It's a very good so, chance. Uh, you can't tell it if you're just listening to the podcast, uh, but we're in a different location. so We are. We are in a very bookish location. If it sounds better or worse, let us know. <laughs> We thought, we thought that the uh, plethora of pages would make us up. smarter. Yeah, <laughs> we somehow absorb. If we're surrounded the by books, we'll osmosis. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I was we'll, talking about the sound. Hey, but, what, whatever helps. <laughs> right, but, you gotta try. Well, and, and normally we're meeting in the in the sanctuary of the right. church, it can and be a so it's a, it's a big big space there. And last week when we had Rob here as a guest, we met in, in actually the entry of the church in the lobby right. area. Find a home, which was kind of cool, and yet at the same time, there's people, yeah, people be people, walking people in and out. out. So, so we thought, hey, let's try it down here. We had our our Saturday morning prayer group meet in here, and it worked really well. And I thought, hey, that could really fit the podcast. So we'll find a home eventually. Maybe this will be it. A little Huey Lewis reference, a little older than your normal '90s references. There, finally found a home. Found a home. Sports home. album, 1985. Sports album. Huey Lewis sports. In the news. Anyway, Indeed. let's talk about Axe. I wasn't here on Sunday. I had a touch of the flu. Great, great album, by the way. Great song, great album. I never really liked Huey Lewis, I'm going to be honest with you. It's because you were too young to remember sports. In general? <laughs> well, look, that's a statement on your life, actually. <laughs> I remember them. I just choose not to acknowledge them. Let's talk about Axe. We are having such a good time. <laughs> You know, you take a week off to have a guest, and right. all of a sudden the wheels shenanigans. come off. And shenanigans. Shenanigans. I call Tom shenanigans. <laughs> we are the home of professional podcasts. I am going to get a t-shirt that says that. <clears throat> I wasn't here on Sunday. I had, yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you. My son had the flu last week or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It was, night- it was nightmarish. And- yeah, and then my sister's kids got it. And then I got it, so no other adult in my family has gotten it, so yeah. I must just be youthful. This, this is good. It's good times. Not good times. But I'm back, so I am... I, um, following the purge. Following the purge. That's totally inappropriate pleasant way of putting it. Um, so I'm kind of uh, along with everybody else for the ride here as far as... I did watch the live stream, but um, All right. as far as uh, discussing and, and learning a little bit more about uh, this... This introduction we had to the Book of Acts. Yeah, we're you know as we're jumping into it, um, before we get into a book, and you know I, I don't know that it's necessary for for expositional preaching uh, on Sunday mornings, but um, my normal pattern, what I like to do is before we get into the text of uh, of a book, to kind of get a general overview, it's like get a feel for day. it. it. It is a little bit like <laughs> syllabus day. So here's what's going to happen. Here's a little right. meta communication. Here's the context that we're looking at. And so we spent a little time looking at that. And, and then what is the overall picture of the book of Acts? And 
<clears throat> so the core reality that we were kind of exploring was that the Church of Christ is empowered by the Spirit of Christ to impact the world for Christ. So as we're looking at the book of, at the book of Acts, what we're really talking about is Luke volume 2. Uh, in fact, he, he says in, in chapter 1, uh, in the first couple of verses, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So what he's saying is, you know, in in, in Luke 1.4, he says in that letter, in that book, um, he's putting together an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of the things mm-hmm. you've been taught. Well, here he's saying that was the beginning of what Jesus was doing. But that was really just the beginning. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he was just getting started. So here, this is the continuation of all that Jesus was teaching and doing. Through himself physically until his ascension, and now through the church, through in, in them. And we're Acts 28 chapters, and, and we're really chapter 29. We're the, the telling forth of this as we continue in the church age. And so um, when we come to the close of time and, and creation as we know it and, and Jesus returns and establishes his his kingdom here on earth um, then all that we are a foretaste of will become the reality the, the consummation of things and here in the book of Acts we're seeing what the rest of the New Testament is talking about so in the letters uh, whether it's Paul or James or John they're talking about how our faith works out how do, who are we in Christ what, what's the the, the indicative portion of this. What's our identity? What does it mean to actually be in Christ? And then the imperatives that flow from that. If we're in Christ, what does that look like? How do we live that out? How do we work out our salvation, as Paul would say, with fear and trembling? In the book of Acts, we're seeing basically a story of, of what that looked like in the early church, the principles and patterns that we can and should still follow today in to a large extent, even though it's a prescriptive book, I mean, a descriptive book, it's describing what happened. It's really prescriptive in that this is what God wants in his church as we see them dealing with with these uh, various issues. And, and I think it's really cool to watch the organic beginning, the development as they grow of problems, and then the working out of, okay, how does this situation get addressed by Old, Te- Old Testament teaching, the wisdom of, of just doing life, uh, and the faith that we hold to. So if we put together the principles of who we are in Christ uh, in light of all the Old Testament teachings and then practical everyday wisdom, and we put all that together, here's how that works out in the church and in our individual lives as well. So that's kind of what we see in the book of Acts, and there's a lot that we can learn from that today. We had uh, a lot of back and forth in our uh, communications team, creative team, about what this sermon series would be called, what it would look like, um, and I think some ideas that were thrown around were radiate and... Uh, I don't know, I'm forgetting all of them. There were but we, but we ended up, I mean, we, all with the basic same principle. But we Some that up, were never usable, but, right. but we're still capturing the idea. Trying to push idea. toward, right. So we ended up with Impact World, yeah. which I think, to me anyway, kind of makes me think of the here and now, of, of what we are to be doing right now still. And, I mean, without, you know, fully getting into the book yet... Uh, I guess my my question, my underlying question for all of this is: Is it almost like a? 
I don't want to make this sound less serious than it is. It is almost like a, a, a handbook on here's what you need to be doing. Sort of, yeah. It's, it is sort of a, 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 a primer or, or, or a primer, if you prefer, on church life. What, is it, what does it mean to be in Christ together? And that's one of the focuses, one of the foci that we would oh. have as we look at this. Um, it, as we work through like the book of Romans, for example. There's a lot in Romans that has to do with your individual faith, your individual justification, and uh, um, the um, your individual justification and the the reality of your life in Christ personally, and then puts that in from there into the context of the church at large. And mm-hmm. as you go farther, then you see how this works out as a body. When you look at a number of the uh, of the letters, it'll address individual things. In the context of the body. So much is in the body. But as we look at the book of Acts, while there are stories of individuals, we see focuses mm-hmm. on, on, on Peter, on Paul, on Stephen, on Barnabas, you know, all these different uh, individual vignettes. But all of it has to do with this togetherness of the body. And, and I think that's central. If we're going to understand the book of Acts, we need to see that major theme of of togetherness, the unity of the body, not just that we all believe and we all, you know, theoretically love each other, but that we are united in a practical, real sense and love each other with actual practical, you know, face-to-face affection and prioritizing in a way that's different than, I just heard Alistair Begg talking about this. Actually, he was talking about the book of Acts, but he, uh, he was talking about the idea that that love is not love biblical. It's not biblical love when we are talking about it in the sense of yes, I, I just I love everybody because God loves everybody. Uh, you know, I I love Christians because we're united in Christ. The reason that God gives us the church and one another is that when we really want to get a handle on love, it has to hurt. It has to be face-to-face. I can love you from a distance in theory, mm-hmm. but when I actually have to love you as a person with all of the frailties and flaws and irritations that come with that, that's when love is actually put to the test. And until that happens... And that's much harder. Way harder. <laughs> Anybody can love in theory. Anybody can love in a book. I can write a book right, about right. love. I can read Bible verses Sing about songs, love. Whatever. And I can say, and how many people say, oh, I just love everybody. You know, this is great. <clears throat> little holiday in reference there too. So we're getting past the 90s back to the back 40s. to the 40s, yeah. But but yeah, it's this idea of well, I love everybody. Well, that's easy to do until you actually have to love somebody. Until you have to actually love a person. So it's it's kind of like, you know, I can You don't know my, what it's like to love somebody. <laughs> even even my spouse. Right. I even you know when when we're first connecting and there's attraction all that kind of stuff all right, it's pretty easy. Even when you're dating, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But when you're and those committed, are the feelings of love. That's right. And, and when you're committed for a lifetime, you're stuck. You're chained. You know right. the, the ball and chain idea. And and we kind of poo poo that as oh that's not a very good way to look at it. And and it really isn't probably. But on the other hand, it really is. It's kind of reality because until you're stuck with this person, you don't know what love is. You really don't. And that's what church is all about, is being stuck with one another and choosing, despite all of the irritations, despite the fact that sometimes you're a jerk, sometimes I'm a jerk. That's just how it is. And learning to love through that, 
when the person that is receiving that love isn't receiving it well, in mm-hmm. my judgment, mm-hmm. or isn't showing gratitude or whatever else, when I actually, until I have to actually forgive someone, mm-hmm. specifically someone who doesn't deserve forgiveness and maybe even isn't seeking forgiveness, until I get to that, I don't know the love of Christ because that's exactly the love that he shows to us. Forgiving us when we certainly don't deserve it, when we weren't seeking it. If it weren't for God reaching out and seeking us, we would never seek him. So until we get to that ugly part of love, we don't know what love is. And the book of Acts has that. Nobody wants to think of love as ugly or messy. Right. But it kind of is. But until you're you're there, you don't know. I had a thing when we were uh, younger. I had a thing on my refrigerator from some daily calendar that uh, I don't remember who the quote was by. Maybe it was Irma Bombeck. I don't know. I don't even know who it was, but it said. Uh, <laughs> Just throw Irma Bombeck. There were there were a lot of quotes from Irma Bombeck in that calendar, <laughs> and she has some of the best quotes ever. But it it, it was uh, I don't think it was because it f- seems like it was a man that said it. But it said uh, before I had children, uh, I, when I had no children, I had six theories on how to raise raise a family. Right. When I had now, I have six children and no theories. Right, you know, right, right. That, that kind of an idea that that kids are great when I can send them home. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see them on you know on pictures and stuff right, they're so cute right when i actually have to deal with it when i have to take that child that i truly love and as a, a mom uh raising your son you probably get this in a way now that you never could have possibly gotten before that that this child that i love so much can really make me angry sometimes this child that i love so much is is sometimes a lot of work you know just from even changing diapers there's there's parts that are just not fun so then, up vomit out of a crib. <laughs> so someday when you're old and he's right. changing your diapers, then that's a whole other level of love. Things that you never want to think about. Right. But that's what love really is. Actually, truthfully, and all kidding aside, that's why I love the movie The Notebook, the Nicholas mm-hmm. Sparks. I've never read any Nicholas Sparks books or anything, but I watched that movie. And what I love about that is specific. It's not the young romance. That's all cute and cool and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's Ryan Gosling. And and I do love Ryan Gosling, of course. <clears throat> Speaking of former castmate of Justin Timberlake. True. So you, you said it was going to come back. Throw and back. And it did. So circle. anyway, what I love about that is the Alzheimer's story. Mm. That the young romance was tumultuous and dramatic and it was passionate and there was there was deep affection and there was hatred and all those things together. But the old love now at the end of life when you're doing what nobody else would do, the right. hard stuff. Even the kids come and they're like, stop doing this. She right. doesn't know she who doesn't you are. Know. Right. That's the kind of love that we see. Honestly, that's a reflection of biblical love. What's interesting about that is in that movie, I don't want to stick on this movie too long, but the movie kind of stops when, as a young couple, they end up, spoiler alert, it's been out for 25 years, um, <laughs> they end up getting back together. And then they just skip over this 40-year life they had together to the point where the woman has Alzheimer's. Right. So they skip over what's probably after that, I think, I mean, they have kids, they Push get married. Room, man. Right, it's they the skip over stuff. the everyday, mundane, probably messy, ugly stuff sometimes. Right. And they're skipping over the main part of what that what building that love really is. I mean, you see it there at the end, but that's that's kind of interesting to have that perspective yeah. on it. It's, it's the tiresome, you know, mundane, dealing with flawed people 
that makes love what it is. Speaking and of Nicholas Sparks, you still have my watch to remember movie when I gave you like four sure years ago. It's, pro- it's probably in my study <laughs> in a box of DVDs. Also a very good movie. Uh, so, yeah, that's I apologize for that. That's okay. I want you to watch it. <laughs> so I'm just trying to keep you around. You know, keep you at church. She can't leave. I have her movie. Uh, <laughs> not that it isn't already on all your streaming services. Not True. Yeah. Anyhow, as we're, <clears throat> as we're looking at things like that, that's what we see in the book of Acts is this... Um, this daily walking out of what we see in the book of Luke. So in Luke, you're establishing the the, the person, the uh, the power, the priorities of Christ. So he's carrying out this mission to seek and to save the lost. He's coming in. He's preaching this gospel. I just, oh my gosh! I just heard somebody. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, Are you going to go on a rant? I am going to go on a rant. I just heard, uh, and I don't recall the name of the book. The author's last name was Brandt, but uh, was on. I was hearing Al Mohler talk about it from a newspaper article and then developed kind of the concept of what the book was about. And in reading some of the stuff that just basically bashing the idea of, the, the headline was, don't evangelize your children. So the whole concept of this is it is immoral and wrong and terrible that you would teach your children the, uh, Christianity, that you would teach them that this is right. You know, that's, you're just, you're colonizing their, their faith and so on. Going through all this ridiculous, ridiculous stuff and, and I was getting so frustrated as I hear people talking about basic... Now, I've completely lost track of how this connected to the book of Acts, what made me think about it. But, you just wanted to rant. But this idea that, you know, taking things that are good and spinning them bad, which is so prevalent in our day. Yeah. That, that oh, well, all, all Christianity does and church does and all the traditional parenting that we've done is, you, you know, just mindlessly coercing physically dominating our children to you know to behave a certain way i'm like you've totally missed all of the point you you have no foundation to build to this and and at the same time i just saw a former pastor if you're listening i'm using little air quotes with my fingers in such a masculine way um (laughs) of this former pastor uh, and, and I don't want to get all up in it, but he, he ran a, an anti-porn ministry and, and so on and so forth, who is now promoting Christian cannabis and the spirituality of getting high. And, uh, and, you can find him at Burning Man this year. Yeah, he's out there you know, uh, on Instagram doing a, a broadcast talking about um, how basically Christianity has completely gotten sexuality wrong. And all the things oh, so that, is he just going back on what he was doing I don't, before? I, he might still be, you know, uh-huh. against pornography or whatever, but it's basically do whatever you want. So it, it and drop an F-bomb and stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, people followed you. You're a dad with teenage kids and a wife, and this is how you're representing Christ. And the way that we get so off track with this stuff is when we have the trappings without the foundation, which is why... I'm going to come back to how this works with, with the book of Luke and the book of Acts. That. Which is why we see throughout Paul's letters, throughout James's letters, throughout all of the scripture, even in the Old Testament we see this. Here is the foundation, who God is, who you are, how these things work together. Then after that, we see the commands of how this plays out. That's universal. We see that throughout the scripture. It's do this because. Do this because mm-hmm. I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. I've set you apart for myself. Therefore, be holy. 
it, it, so as God continues to, to lay things out as to why we would behave a certain way, what this does for us, the scripture does not ever call us to blind faith. Sorry for spitting on you. If you're here, you would see that I spit on Stacy as we're talking. I'm, I'm trying so to get over sorry. being sick. Yeah. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> so sorry. Anyhow, <laughs> as, we're, as we're seeing all of this foundation stuff, the reason we get off track with folks like Craig Gross, I wasn't going to mention his name, but <laughs> I just did, or, or uh, this author, or, or, or so many others, or kids who grow up and, and leave the faith, so to speak, uh, when they get to college, it's because we haven't laid a foundation. We haven't laid this, this solid rock foundation of here is why all this stuff matters. We just have do this, don't do that. Behave this way. Here's, you, know, you need to go to church on Sunday and you, know, you check all the boxes and all that kind of stuff. And, and Luke, <clears throat> in his gospel, is laying that foundation. And what we see in Acts <clears throat> is the working out of that from those who walked with Christ, who, uh, who, who saw his ministry, were convinced that this is reality. And when, and when they saw it, they believed the reality that Jesus was God, that Jesus died to save sinners, that he rose from the dead, and that he ascended to be with the Father. And all of this became, it wasn't throughout the book of Luke for them. They didn't perceive it in the same way until at the end. So they're going along, they're learning, they're learning, they're learning, but they're not getting it until after the resurrection when everything becomes clear. And then now, it, when we see in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes on them, bang, the power to live the resurrection life takes over. And they're so consumed with reality that all of the perceived reality of the world around us begins to fade. It becomes less important. So now all of the stuff they go through, all the junk that they face, cannot sway them because they get it now in a way they never could before. And getting it causes them to to just not be able to see anything else. To, they're so consumed, even obsessed with the word of God, with saving souls, with the reality that Jesus said, oh, by the way, I remember why I came back to this. The, the lady said, you know, as she was talking about parenting, it needs to be good news for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. this good news we talk about needs to be good news for everybody. I'm with you so far. It needs to be good news for every age, for every gender, for every identity, and so on. And she's saying this as parents, we need to not preach to our kids. We need to not teach them moral values according to the biblical standard because we need to accept them as they are. And so we need to offer them the comfort and hope of, of all this stuff, no matter where they are, no matter what, basically no matter what sins they're so in. Again, so again, do whatever you want. Right, which means there's no good news at all. Because the gospel is good news. And this is the message of Luke and Acts. It's the message of the entire scripture from Genesis to Revelation. There is good news for everybody. But before you can get the good news, you have to recognize the bad news. The bad news is you are dead in your sins and you are destined for an eternity of condemnation and separation from God. That's pretty bad. The good news is every single person has the opportunity to repent. Right. The gospel is here. Right. And anyone who will repent, and Calvinists and Arminians can debate God's side of the curtain all they want. The reality is for each one of us. When we repent, that repentance for forgiveness is for everyone. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, not the good people, not because there aren't any, not the righteous people, but to seek and to save sinners. The good news is 
you can repent now. There is mercy available now. But if you don't, and think if you that don't, you die. But if you don't think that you're doing anything worthy of repentance, then you're not going to. That's right. And and so that is the opposite of good news. Now I'm telling you, just stay on those railroad tracks. There right. is no train coming while the train is barreling down the tracks, and you're about to to be squashed like a peanut. Right? You're gonna. You need the songs in your head now, isn't it? So that's going to happen. If I say I'm loving you because I don't want to hurt your feelings by getting you off the tracks, you will die. That's not good news. You've used the the analogy before of letting your child play with razor blades because, you know, it's fun. Yeah, it's shiny. It's nice. Right. But that's not... I don't want to hurt my kids' feelings. Right, but that's not love. And And so what we see in the book of Acts is a a blending. It, It... it refutes the myths of what Christianity is about. We've had this idea sometimes that either it's this harsh religious thing, check all the boxes, do all the things, completely opposite of that. And and that's argued and debated in the book. Absolutely not. It's not keeping all the law. It's not doing all these things. You can't, never could. You know, we can't, our forefathers couldn't. Therefore, we have grace from God. But the grace from God changes us so that we don't want to do the same things that we did before. Our entire uh, desires, our affections have changed. We're not in the same situation that we were previously. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and as we, um, as we are, are trying to process that going through this particular book, we see grace, grace, grace. But we also see a firmness where Paul, you know, shakes the dust off his feet at times. Hey, you had the opportunity. I gave you the message. You rejected it. So your blood is on your own heads. I'm going to the Gentiles. And we see that regularly, that there is this constant balance of love and truth. It's never love without truth. It's never truth without love. It's always the same, two sides of the same coin. That's what Jesus modeled in Luke. That's what the church then reflects in the book of Acts. And and that's probably one of the key things that we can draw from that. So it's more about, uh, uh, gosh, I just feel, I keep going back to this, this, based on what we've been talking about, these misrepresentations of the church and of Christianity and how it's so easy to fall into those traps. Absolutely. And how some people, you know, you're talking about that, I want to call him the porn guy, but the boring guy because I forgot his name. And uh, his name is no longer important. And uh, and you know, you know, I think on the other side of that, some people use Christianity as sort of a, or the idea of Christianity as sort of a, um, quote unquote, marketing technique. Yeah. Um, because there are so many people who will see. Uh, Christian so-and-so or or when they're trying to find uh, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever, I'm a Christian, da, 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 da. And so they're immediately attracted to that even if that individual's... If it's not reality. If it's not reality. Yeah. And again, that's giving not only the church a bad rap, but Christianity itself a bad rap. And I'm all for wanting to do business with other believers. I'm right, and that's one thing, but it's hard to find... But just because really somebody is. puts a fish on their car does not make them a Christian. I either. had uh, a surgery uh, in college, and uh, the gentleman that did it, he was a Christian, and he made that very well known. I mean, and he, yeah, he had, you know, pictures of Jesus and everything in his office, and, and that's one thing. But the thing that got to me was I was laying there on the table right before they gave me anesthesia, and he said, would you like me to pray with you? And I said, yeah, I would really like, because I was scared, you know, I was, I would really like that. And that, that meant something to me. And yeah. that 
at the time, I you know, like I said, I was 20, 21 years old. Um, I wasn't, I guess, as, as strong in my or as far along in my in my walk with with God as I am now. But even back then, that meant you didn't have this podcast, but right, this changed everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, that meant something to me, yeah. and that gave me a certain view and a specific view of Christianity. Yeah. And I was a Christian already, but that gave me. I don't know the right word I'm looking for here, but it gave me, it made me feel good. It made me feel like this is not a religion that's just empty or that people say they they follow or believe in and then really don't. There are people who it's at the core of who they really are. And I think... Well, that's another element that we see in Acts and and we see in in the letters uh, throughout the New Testament is that it's not just... An intellectual debate. Right. It's not a set of beliefs. You and I feel like it's to. become that. It's becoming very often. It is un- unfortunately. Um, it it involves that, and so we see a lot of intellectual debate. And I say intellectual, rational. Uh, in other words, engaging the mind uh, throughout the Book of Acts. Peter and Paul both make their their cases. They appeal to the understandings that people already have. Use your mind. You wrestle with this. You're, you know, you're intelligent, sensible people. As rational folks, you can weigh this for yourself. All right, like you said, decision. it's not a blind faith. But what changes people is not just the words of Paul or the words of Peter. Any more than in Luke, it was the words of Christ. It was that. It's that it was backed up with personal character mm-hmm. and action that proves that what I'm telling you is valid and real and true. So if I'm, and I see this with counselors and pastors, uh, thankfully more often with counselors than I do with pastors, but <clears throat> but it happens all the time. People get into these things, into, you know, if, if you can include clergy for, for this purpose only, into mental health or social health uh, services. <clears throat> we get into a lot of these things very often because we're dealing with weaknesses of our own. Mm-hmm. And rather than, actually fix this and mature and grow we fix it by trying to fix other people mm-hmm. and so we're, we're getting into it and you know as i say that i didn't really come across the way I, I, the way i'm trying to say it that's not completely invalid it's invalid to stay there it, mm-hmm. it's we're, we all have weaknesses we all have issues and we deal with them differently and we deal with them by by learning by studying by by working through it but if i'm trying to counsel you and i drawing this from from a personal relationship that I had. If I'm trying to counsel you on how to fix your marriage, and I'm on my third marriage, and my wife and I are splitting up, then all of my counsel, all of my wisdom means nothing. Why would you listen to me? Even if what I'm telling you is right, my lifestyle isn't backing that up. So as a pastor, it's not that as a Christian you're ever going to have everything fixed in your life. You're not, right. you know, you're not like this perfect person who never makes mistakes. But the mistakes that you make and more specifically how you handle those mistakes, that changes in its consistency with the gospel. We no longer think it's just excused. And I see this from to me it's one of the ways that that you can smell a rat in ministry circles, when somebody defends their mm. bad behavior, defends their sin by saying, oh, well, you know, I'm forgiven by Christ. Dude, that's not the point. Right. You did wrong. 
own your wrong and repent now. Don't tell me you repented when you were 21 and you said a prayer and you're done. Repent now. If you embezzled from somebody, you don't get away with that because you're saved, supposedly. That's garbage. You don't get to abuse people and justify that by saying, oh, well, grace of God, you know, Jesus forgave me for all my sins. No, I don't think that that's actually what he did. What I think is he offered you forgiveness. You took the easy out by saying some prayer, and you weren't changed. Mm-hmm. You didn't receive the Spirit. You, you, you're you not living different. Now, that sounds like a pretty brash and ranty thing to say. And I do not mean to say that people don't sin once you're saved. And I don't mean to say that if you sin even grievously, you're it, that just immediately means you're not saved. I have sinned. I've sinned grievously. I continue to sin. It's not the defining factor of my life, and I don't accept it. That, that, that's one of the key factors that you see here. Uh, Paul confronts Peter about sin. Uh, Paul has areas where, where he sins, and he you know brings that out very clearly in, in Romans 7 in particular, but in a number of places. He says, man, I haven't attained this yet. I'm still wrestling with this just like everybody else. But it's not who I am, and I will not tolerate it in my life because, and it's not my willpower, it's not my religion. Right. It's that Jesus is so beautiful that I cannot accept, I can't justify being okay with anything that's not fitting with that. Right. That's the picture of Christian repentance that we see. While knowing that's that you're never, well, knowing that you're never going to be perfect. Right. But it's it's that mindset, it's that change. But when I start to say, well, nobody's perfect. Right. I, yeah, I don't mean so, it so, you know, so casually. So I'm going to work it. Right. You know, that <laughs> if I'm going to do that, right. as the president said during the, his campaign, I've never repented of anything. If that's where you are, you're not a believer. Right. You're, you're not. You can say all the right things. You can have all the right doctrines. But apart from repentance, apart from brokenness mm-hmm. over our sin, we don't belong to Christ. Right. That I, I don't think I'm in any way going beyond the scripture. I think that's a very clear thing that is uh, requires no waffling or equivocation on it. If you are not broken over your sin constantly, every time you sin, if it doesn't break your heart to think about it, if it doesn't turn your stomach to think of falling short, then you don't know him. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen him. You're not part of that. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church your whole life or you've said a prayer. If it doesn't rip your guts out to know that you don't look like Jesus, then you got a problem and you need to repent. And that's what we see over and over in Acts is people who are so changed because of this that they're not, honestly, they're not thinking about the sin. They're thinking about right. Jesus. Right. How can I keep going? The idea of doing something that's contrary to that, just it doesn't register. So then when I do something contrary to that, oh my goodness, woe is me. I don't belong here anymore. Let me get back on track. When Paul confronts Peter in front of people, humiliating, right? Peter's like, dude, you're right. What was I thinking? I I know better than this. Mm -hmm. Things change. And, And I think, you know, when we see the book of Acts, it's just like, you know, we see the history of Israel in the Old Testament. The book of Acts is very much like that, in that all of the flaws are there and on display. There are no perfect heroes. There is nobody other than Christ himself who walks this perfectly. And God doesn't hide that. When, when you see the picture of the early church that Luke records, he records all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's all there. And ultimately, whether it's our victories or our failures, God gets the glory. 
we will stop there. I'm looking forward to getting into this. So yeah, please stick around and join us for this uh, book of Acts as we continue to get into it. Uh, if you have any questions, don't leave us a voicemail. No, uh, you can leave us <laughs> a voicemail uh, or email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll work it. You said we're probably going to be in this for a year. Uh, the, yeah, the plan is to spend 2020. So you got time to, to dive in with us. So thank you yeah. guys for listening.